Open your Bibles again to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This is Paul's request, the pleadings of Paul, number 3. But before... After starting a new diet, I altered my drive to work to avoid passing by my favorite bakery. This morning, I accidentally drove by the bakery, and as I approached there in the window were a host of goodies. I felt this was no accident, so I prayed, Lord, it's up to you. If you want me to have any of those delicious goodies, please create a parking place for me directly in front of the bakery. And sure enough, the eighth time I drove around the block, there it was. <laughs> the pastor was having an awful time with his congregation and eventually decided to resign. At the close of the next Sunday morning service, he announced, Some years ago, Jesus brought me to this congregation, and Jesus is now taking me away from it. At the end of those remarks, he sat down somewhat abruptly, and it was left up to the song leader to announce the closing hymn for the service. How appropriate, he commented, that we will sing hymn number 104, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Okay. Church Bulletin Bloopers. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a good place to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. <laughs> Put these actual, these are actual bulletins. Peacemaking meeting scheduled for today has been canceled due to a conflict. Next Thursday, there will be trials for the choir. They need all the help they can get. Barbara C. remains in the hospital and needs blood donors for more transfusions. She's also having trouble sleeping and requests tapes of Pastor Jack's sermons. <laughs> I don't want to hear a word from you guys. No. <laughs> The over 60 choir will be disbanded for the summer with the thanks of the whole entire church. <laughs> okay. Announcement of church bulletin for National Prayer and Fasting Conference. The cost of attending the fasting and prayer conference includes meals. Okay. And <laughs> Miss Charlene Mason. We don't have a Charlene Mason here tonight, right? No. Okay. Miss Charlene Mason saying, I will not pass this way again, giving obvious pleasure to the congregation. There we go. Good. Philippians chapter 1. Heavenly Father, I just ask now, Lord, that you help us to listen, Father, to your word. Father, even though the message may not be long, Lord, Father, that we see something, Father, that you would want us to apply to our lives. Just bless this time in your word and encourage us, Father, as we go out to a lost and dying world and tell them that the Savior has come. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Starting at verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, 
being confident of this very thing. Um, please, if you're struggling, remember verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For, my God, for God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. In this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, in being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. And the first message from here was that you may abound yet more and more in the knowledge and in all judgment. Second message was ye may approve things that are excellent. Tonight, I want you to think about this, about that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. We live in a day and age where sincerity is missing greatly. Okay. When I was a Roman Catholic before I got saved, I was sincere in my faith. I was sincerely wrong. I came from a family that had priests in the family background. So this is something that when I came to Christ and started witnessing to people, my father was enough upset about that that he threatened to shoot me because I was pulling people away from what he believed to be the Holy Roman Catholic Church. His salvation was based in the church. And I just thank God that sincerity and the truth of the gospel finally broke through with my dad and I led him to the Lord and got to baptize him in the other building many, many years ago. Tonight, Sheila, my daughter-in-law, is at her mother's bedside. She's not opening her eyes, but she's holding on to Sheila's hands for dear life as Sheila's been reading to her from the Scriptures. They've called the priest in to give last rites. The only time I ever shared that situation is when I led my Uncle Bud to the Lord on his deathbed, and he swore at the priest and kicked him out because he didn't believe the priest was sincere in what he was telling him. He lived his whole life that way. Okay, so when I want you to say this, there can be, there's many people, they're sincere in their beliefs, but they're sincerely wrong. God wants us to be sincere in our beliefs. You know what that means? I guess quickly, it means real, open, pure. Basically, what you see is what you get. That's the way Christianity ought to be. Then he, in Paul's request, his pleading with us, is his request here is that we are sincere and without offense into the days of, day of Christ. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Paul's epistle to the church at Colossae. Chapter 1. Look at verse 10. And Paul, what I'm going to do is I'll start above this, and it says in verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it about their coming to Christ, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. 
For what reason? That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience. Is that something we need today? And longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet. Made us worthy. Okay? Made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, you don't need to turn there, but it says, Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may what? Grow there, thereby. Your faith, your Christianity will not be sincere if it is not being fed with God's word. Linda gave testimony of her sister coming to this church, saved lady for a lot of years. But in a church that's not helping their Christian walk, the world doesn't need more religion. It needs more sincere believers. They need to see that Jesus Christ makes a difference. He won't make a difference in you if you aren't desiring the sincere milk of the Word. Second part of this says, and without offense until the days of Christ. Look at verse 21 of Colossians chapter 1. In you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He what? Brought back together. The differences have been removed. So many divorces take place in America and it says they take place for irreconcilable differences. In Jesus Christ, everything can be reconciled. If He could reconcile this sinner to Himself, anything can take place. You can't get away from it. Yet now hath He reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy. Now, how does He want to present us at the judgment seat of Christ? To present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the Gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made minister. Now, I'm not going to read to the end of that paragraph or that sentence because it ends at verse 29. But I want you to see the Gospel is needed. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? When we get caught up in the things of the world, all you've got to do is take your eyes off the Lord for a little bit. Take your eyes off God's Word for a little bit. You start getting pulled into the world. You know how you know when you're getting pulled into the world? When you get offended when things don't go your way. That's not being sincere and without offense to the day of Jesus Christ. When you get so upset that you have to pull away from somebody. Now, Honestly, there's times when a believer should pull away from somebody. When they're on unhealthy soul tie, there's other things involved there. 
But also what happens so many times when we do is we don't, do not practice forgiveness towards that person. You can forgive somebody even when you cannot be around that person. Amen? So that way, you, when you forgive them, you will be without offense towards them. I can remember going to a, a funeral for some of Judy's family members. People at that funeral had a problem with me. I could walk right up, put out my hand, and say, I'm praying for you. They didn't want to make eye contact. Now, should I feel bad about that? No, because you know what you want to have? You want to have that peace that passes all understanding. Jesus said, my peace I leave unto you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When you get offended and you hang on to that, you know what you won't be able to do? You won't be able to then present the gospel to them from a sincere heart. It will not be without offense. You'll be offended. Lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness bringing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. See, we're to be without offense. Without offense. Turn to Colossians chapter 1 again. I mean, 1 Thessalonians, excuse me. 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If we're going to be without offense, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, excuse me, verse 10. Now ye are witnesses in God also how holily and justly and what? Unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. That ye would walk how? Worthy of God who hath called unto you his kingdom and glory. I look at this and I love that verse 10. It says, Ye are witnesses of God, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Judy mentioned something that to me. I, had to, I talked to somebody, be careful what you're doing because low aim never hit a high mark. There's things that Pastor Kenny and I will not do simply because we want to have a place in a situation where you can look at us and say, I can follow that person. Every one of you that's a father ought to live in such a way that the wife can say, I can follow him. That your children will understand, even when they disagree with you and they don't like what's being said. Because... Do you realize that kids, they get to be about 11, 10, 11, and 12 all of a sudden, they get so much smarter than their parents? And it gets worse until they're about 23. And all of a sudden, they get dumb again and are looking for their parents to help them. Does that mean you don't direct them from 12 
to 23. I can't remember who I was talking. Oh, I do remember. I can't say who it was. Okay. <laughs> this afternoon, I'm talking to somebody, and I'm saying, your mother is doing this because she loves you. You need to listen to her. Right? I looked right at him and I said, you're going to be ahead of mush until you're about 25 when you start paying your own bills. You won't know what it's about. Okay? And I don't say that to be mean. I say, I tell, okay, every young lady who's not married in here, if you're interested in a young man, you better see how he treats his mama. If he's not respectful and loving towards his mama, you know what he won't be towards you? Okay? You've got to be able to follow him. So many times people make choices that just, I go nuts with it. That's why we spend so much time in premarital counseling when people come. I've had the privilege of stopping four marriages in my ministry before they ever took place. Praise the Lord. Better to stop them beforehand than try to clean up the broken lives afterwards. Without offense, okay? We're to walk worthy of God. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. At verse 1. Now this is Paul speaking to the Thessalonian church by the inspiration of God. And he says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren. What is he doing? He's pleading with them. We beseech you. And exhort you by the Lord Jesus that ye have that as ye have received of us how ye ought to what walk in to please God so ye would abound more and more. My father held me to a higher standard than he held himself to himself, and he says, "Boy, you ain't going to make the same mistakes I made." And I couldn't follow. I, I have a message I've preached a couple times in this church called Lessons My Father Taught Me. And there were some good things he taught me, but there was some really bad things in my father's life. And he said, I don't want you to have them. He made sure after he messed up after 37 years of marriage when he left my mother for another woman now, he got divorced. He lived with her a couple of years and married her just before I let him, to, before or after? But just before they got married, I led him to the Lord. We baptized him after he's married in this other building. Married to her for 22 years. Five years into that marriage, he's going don't do what I did. Don't let something get in the way. If you ever let go of that little girl, I'm going to beat you. Don't do it. He says, if I could go back, I would go back. But I can't. My mother, on the other hand, read her Bible every night. She prayed for us every night. I have my mother's Bible. The things that my father didn't teach me, 
I learned at the feet of my mother. And it says to be sincere and without offense to the day of Jesus Christ. To please God so you would abound, how? More and more. You know what we want as pastors? Because I look at the pastorate as a spiritual father situation. Every one of you that brought a girl into this church, they became my girl. And I'm protecting them sometimes if you don't want to. And every one of your boys, when they get old enough, I want to scare them so they'll treat girls right. Okay? I want them to learn that they ought to be able to grow in a manner so that they could lead a family in the walk of the believer. If they don't do devotions as teenage boys, they won't do them as husbands. Raised in this church, if you don't do them now, you won't do them later. And that means you're not worthy of leading. And he wants them to please God and to walk, that you would abound more and more and that you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God. So you, people want to know what God's will is for your life. There's some general things. Here's one of them. Even your being set apart for special use. Even your sanctification. That's God's will. And that you would abstain from fornication. Well, I'm not walking out on my wife. I'm not doing this or that. I've had a pastor try to condemn a, a saved man who had an unsaved wife desert him, leave him with his kids. And he's going, he can't serve. I've seen churches where they can't serve as Sunday school teachers. They can't be deacons. I'm telling you, I have some pastoral friends who were divorced before they got saved. They got saved. They're a new creature in Christ. You don't have to agree with me. All right? And that man says, well, he's not the husband of one wife. And I said, oh, so you mean he doesn't meet the qualifications? Yeah. When he, if he's remarried, he's an adulterer. And I said, oh, is he? I looked at him and I said, you tell me where you are in the standard. You know what Jesus said the standard was? If a man looketh upon a woman with lust in his heart, he hath committed adultery already with her. No physical act involved. It all has to do where the heart and the mind goes. You know what the truth is about most men? At some point, if they don't have their eyes on their Savior, and they don't have their eyes in this book, they see the wrong thing. Abstain from what? Fornication. That every one of you, that's every believer, should know how to possess his what? What's your vessel? Your body. Sanctification means being set apart for special use. His vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence. That's inordinate desire, wanting more and more. Even as the Gentiles which know not God. Isn't it interesting where he's going with that? That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. 
because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. There was a Baptist church that's no longer in Fulton. It was there. I knew the pastor, when he left there, the guy who started the church, didn't stay there. Church is not there. The guy who started the church got up to about 50 people, and then it fell apart. When that pastor left Fulton, he left 10 businesses with due bills. Had a horrible testimony. And I can remember going to a meeting in his church and he said, I just don't know why God's not blessing here. My Bible says do all things decently and in order. You say, I just want you to understand. This is the rest of Paul. If you're going to be without offense, it's without offense between believers. Are you living as such that you're not offending your brother or sister in Christ? If you have offended them, do you go to them? If you are offended, do you go to them and resolve it? If you don't, I have a book in my office. It's not King James. <gasps> a bunch of them are. You know what it's called? The bait of Satan. It's based off the sin of offense. People getting offended and not resolving the issue. Now, I know you've had somebody sin against you, haven't you? Haven't you? That couldn't be me, maybe. I don't know. If you haven't come to that person so that can be restored, it can be taken care of, not only is that a sin, but not following through on the restoration is what? If Jesus commanded us to go to them, and we don't go to them, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And it says that his request is that we be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such. You know, that, you know what that tells me? Who's the one keeping the books? We also have forewarned you and testified, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Unto holiness. Be holy, for I am holy. Are we going to fall short of that? Yes. Does that mean we still shouldn't strive for it? If we're going to be sincere, it has to be real. It won't be real if it's not in your heart. Preachers use this over and over again. The greatest distance that something has to travel in any human being is from here to here. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word with my whole heart? I have sought thee, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine that I might not sin against thee. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. They don't need us to say the right things and to live the wrong way.
they don't need us to live the right way and to say the wrong things. If we're going to be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, we need to be willing to let Him do that work in Philippians 1.6, for He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. His day's not here yet, so we're all what? A work in progress. Just don't get in the way of God's progress. And all God's people said? Amen. Good night and God bless.